0: Welcome to the Keystone Kickoff Show, brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone.
1: Hello and welcome to the Keystone Kickoff Show. I'm Jim Galanti along with T. Frank Carr. First of all, T. Frank, happy Thanksgiving.
2: Happy Thanksgiving, Jim. Happy final week of the regular season as well. Uh, we, we've made it. We are 12 twelfths of the way through the college football season.
1: Well, let's let's not put it out too quickly. We're 11 twelfths <laughs> of the way. Right. It's <laughs> we, not complete we, yet. It, we, we haven't finished week 12 yet. Happy Thanksgiving to all of you out there. Glad you could join us. We are still wrapping up Penn State versus Rutgers. And T. Frank, I know you did a lot of film study on it like to talk about it a lot mm-hmm. going on in this Penn State Rutgers game let's start with Drew Aller the game plan and first just in general new offensive coordinators was this game called any differently than any of the prior games and I'm talking about when Drew Aller was still in there first yeah
2: you could talk yeah, about
1: that's bro a- later
2: yeah, that's important because the way the game ended, and this is just the way the human brain works, is you remember the last thing. That's what you remember. And the last thing that we all remember was a high school football game between two teams des- determined to run their quarterbacks. And it was kind of a it was a hard game to digest. But uh, you can't forget, like if you're in my position, you can't forget what happened in the first quarter. And what they did in the first quarter is exactly what they said they were going to do and the things that James Franklin wanted before... Uh, he fired Mike Yersich. was they, they threw on first down. They threw some concepts that got the quarterback some easy looks. They also asked him to be a quarterback at times, but then they did things that I thought were really smart that I had been thinking, you know, here are some of the problems that Penn State has been running into previously. Um, the difference is they're still a run first team, so they're still going to run the ball predominantly. And then uh, and Rutgers went on a nine-minute drive and soaked up, you know, a third of the first half. So there's there's a lot of like game flow situation stuff that alters the way you feel about the game afterwards, especially when Drew Aller gets hurt um, early in the third quarter, and it it, it was a similar, it was a eerily similar game flow to the Michigan game where Penn State loses the ball in the third quarter and then they basically don't get it back to the fourth quarter and in this situation they lose their quarterback in the third quarter and then the game is entirely different from that point out so it's important to remember some of those things and that's where you know that's what I focused on in the film room because everyone remembers Bo Prevula running the football but what you don't remember was the passing game was subtly different and was, I think, an improved effort to get Drew Aller comfortable. And and to me, that's the main point of the final two games of the season is to try and just as much as you can fix the passing game, fix the part that ails this team. Because to me, that's what finishing strong is. That's finishing strong is trying to overcome your weaknesses and still working on those things. And I thought they put in good work to do that early in the game. They just couldn't they couldn't complete the journey.
1: You know, T. Frank, I have this thing about throwing the ball on the f- a first down. You mm-hmm. know that. All our listeners know that. So when the first play from scrimmage actually was, it was an easy pass for Drew Aller to, uh, I think it was Theo Johnson. Yep. It was a small game, uh, I think three yards only. But it seemed to be that, yes, they were... Uh, going to implement what James Franklin talked about. I was really happy to see that. My question was, did they continue that concept through the first half? And again, you pointed out smartly that it was a shortened first half when you have Rutgers going on a nine-minute drive, but what little they had there, did they implement what James Franklin talked about?
2: I think so. The game script and game flow always dictate these things. So you you throw that that ball on first down – If Theo Johnson breaks that tackle, it's a big play uh, because of the way the Rutgers defense works. The design of that play was good. I really like that. Uh, Instead of running Theo Johnson deep on a corner route to get an explosive play, they wanted to get him the ball quickly to see if he could catch and run. And and he didn't break the tackle, but it's a good thought. And then you get into a situation where you have third and five right away. There's pressure and Drew Aller stepped into the throw. He was confident. He was, uh, you know, brave in the pocket. And then I think they had a couple other instances where he's pre- he's passing on third down, but they had to, you know, like the, the flow of the game. They still did enough in the first half where they were throwing on first down, throwing on second down, not being so um, dogmatic about how they were calling these situations, because when you're trying to establish and, and this is my best guess about some of the stuff we've seen over the last couple of years, when you're trying to establish play action. You have to establish what the run is and then play off of that. So that might be the the thinking of not just staying on first down, not just making sure you get a good gain so that you set up your offense for a third and manageable, but also you're setting up plays for later. This year, we never got to the later. You know, it, it was just run, run, and then obvious passing situation. So in this game, they threw the ball, they mixed in the run. It was more unpredictable. I think it was better managed from that perspective for sure. They threw earlier in the game as well. The problem is that it didn't get to pay dividends in the third and fourth quarter because the quarterback that they designed all of this around exited the game.
1: And uh, T. Frank, well, let's start in that first possession. I mentioned first down, the short completion. Tell me about that third down play where who was that pass intended for? Was that for <laughs> Cephas or was that for Tyler Warren? I know being yeah. there at the game, you saw the ball go past Cephas, and your initial reaction is, "Oh, incompletion." Yeah. Then you see Tyler Warren, and it's like, "Oh, maybe not." Oh, it's
2: whoops. yeah. A it's lot of hard to tell in one play. So the 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 thing is, he's getting hit at the same time. So. Was it a bad ball to Cephas or a great throw to Tyler Warren? That's the part that we don't really know because it was behind, you know, kind of high and behind Cephas. So if if that's the case, that was a bad throw from the quarterback under pressure where he's getting hit as he's throwing. But did some of the velocity and air come off the ball because he's getting hit as he's throwing the football? Because if that's the case, that would have gone over Cephas to uh, Tyler Warren. Now the timing is bad there because you want to throw that ball. I think after Cephas has vacated that window, so that doesn't happen. Your route spacing is better, but again, you got the you got the back going out instead of into the into the B gap where he's supposed to go to get that player. Great, that was a great play designed by Rutgers where they have um, a really late twist from the blitzing linebacker who comes outside then inside and just kind of gets on an old rope dope gets around, uh, Katron Allen. So in that situation, you have an, uh, you have less than ideal circumstance. So given the context of that, it was, it was a decent pass that he got it on the hands of two receivers. But even at this point, I, it's inconclusive. I couldn't tell you, I looked at it from every angle. I would say my best guess is it was for Cephas because that's the, that's the, uh, kind of the check down on that play and he's getting hit. So I would say it's meant for Cephas, but you know, I'll give him credit for, yeah, I can't tell. So why not? It's definitely for Tyler Warren. Make him look smart.
1: (laughs) Well, I like the targeting, uh, uh, Tyler Warren. He was open and it was deeper down the field. So I would prefer to see that the unfortunate thing. And you already alluded to this is after that three and out, you get Rutgers on a nine minute drive. That almost ended the first quarter and it took a big chunk out of the first half. So, We didn't get to see some of the things we might like to see from this offense. What we did see, though, uh, T. Frank, I'll point out two plays, and I want you to go over them for us. The completion to Liam Clifford Mm -hmm. and the completion of Tyler Warren that were both big gains over the middle of the field. It appeared both receivers got a bit of separation. Our Mm -hmm. little pet peeve on the wide receivers is not being able to do that. As a fan, I look at that those plays and say, yeah, that's what I'd like to see more of. I, I know everybody wants that deep pass over the top. I'm more concerned about those kind of plays where it's yeah. 15, 20 yards down the field. That's what I'd like to see more of, T. Frank.
2: Yeah, so the first one is just a, a straight uh, cover one call. So that means man coverage and Lee and Clifford just beat his player. So when you're in those situations... Um, he has to win to the inside of the defensive back. So the defensive back is either head up or shaded to one side or the other, trying to naturally with body position, deny the receiver one Avenue to the field or the other. But with, with a slot receiver, you have the option to go either way. So that's called a two way go. So Clifford did a great job of setting up the defensive back and then winning inside immediately. Not uh, the Penn state receivers. It seems a lot of times, they take a lot of time setting up the defensive back instead of just making it an efficient uh, and effective route to get into your route. And when you have a, a quarterback and an offensive line that are expecting timing, because you know, they, they're not going to hold up forever. You need to get guys that are much more efficient at winning. And Clifford was super efficient in that position. So he just, he beat his guy. He caught the ball. The ball was directly on him. A great throw. And that's that catch and run. I agree with you. I think it, All the way back in the summer, Drew Aller sat down with Adam Brenneman on his podcast and talked about how they were incorporating some um, Shanahan style stuff into the offense. And I thought that meant more of what you just talked about of these medium length completions, catch and run opportunities, designing guys open with play action and the run game and certain things. And what it meant was, I think in this situation, just outside zone, they just added in outside zone, which is a staple of that offense. And Never really got to any of the things that we're talking about here. The second completion uh, that you mentioned to Tyler Warren was my favorite play of the day. It's the exact same play or the exact same concept. We're playing off the same idea as the very first play of the game, but in a different way. And this is talking about that, that play calling that I think accentuates and helps the offense where... You are, Rutgers has this defensive style where they're playing man coverage like the Liam Clifford play, or they're playing a zone coverage that has man concepts baked into it called cover four or quarters where you have the, the safeties are over top of in this situation. We're just going to keep it simple and say they're over top the tight ends. And if you go 10 yards down the field, that turns into man coverage. So those guys are responsible for anyone that goes through their zone that many yards down the field. Um, But what ends up working out as essentially is man coverage of the guy you line up over. So what Penn State did is they ran Tyler Warren underneath that defender and behind the linebackers. They use play action to draw those guys up and create a natural window instead of running a deep post or something like that, where now you're running into the coverage. You're running 10 yards to a guy who's waiting for you and then trying to win. They schemed open a pass. And that is something that I thought Penn State needed to do more of this year. What Mike Yersich was trying to do, I think, most of the year was take players, remove a guy, because if you know know that that safety is going to follow this guy across the field, you create a natural void and then run somebody else into that. But that takes time, and that takes that other receiver getting open. So they reduced the number of routes. They ran a lot of play actions with those two-man sets. And then they would try and get one guy open by running concepts that If you're watching on the YouTube channel and not listening to the podcast or the radio show, I'm using all of these really important hand gestures like (laughs) scissor, uh, like cutting across the field. So Penn State simplified the way to get the guy open by using depth and route timing. And I love that. That's more of what I was looking for in this offense as well.
1: Very good T Frank. That's it for quarter number one. We're going to pick up this conversation as soon as we get back in quarter two.
0: It's quarter number two on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone.
1: And welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. He's T. Frank Carr. I'm Jim Galanti. We are still talking uh, Penn State Rutgers from Saturday. And T. Frank, we're talking about the passing game. Obviously, prior to Bo Prabola coming in, because that was pretty much the end of the passing game at that yeah. point. And my question, I think the starting uh, wide receivers were Keandre Lambert-Smith and Dante Cephas. Mm-hmm. At what point did they disappear
2: from the game? Because I missed that. <laughs> uh, well, so Dante Cephas was involved early <laughs> and often. Um, And that was part of when you're running 12 personnel and depending on the positions these guys are playing, and I apologize, I didn't note specifically who was playing X and who was playing Z, but they're running in 12 personnel, two tight ends. And that determines that certain guys are in certain situations. And uh, Keandre, for the most part, from what I saw, was running a lot of clear out routes. He's running vertical routes down the field to remove a defensive back and open up a zone. Um, kind of moving chess pieces around to get other guys open, but it's not like he's running an empty route. Uh, so if he got open on any of those plays, he's open for a potential touchdown. So that should show you, did he get open at all during the game? Um, But he was doing a lot in this game of setting up other guys to get open, even when he wasn't running a vertical route down the field. There were some concepts where they were trying to run man uh, beaters where you're trying to, you know, those rub routes that we've all heard where the defense always says it's offensive pass interference and offensive, you know, getting in the way of of the defensive backs. they were trying to run a couple of those and nobody got open. So, you know, that there's your answer. If, If you're not open, you can't throw them the football. Some of the concepts that Penn State got to and remember, they had a limited number of passes. Uh, was designed to get the tight ends open because those guys have proven, you know, more consistently that they will get open, especially Tyler Warren. Um, and that's kind of, I think, the nature of this offense, where if it were more vertical-based and there were more four wide receivers running down the field trying to defeat these coverages for explosive plays, like, you know, I think is more set up for Mike Yersich's style. Not to keep bringing up that whole situation, but we are looking at now the relief of what they do without him um his style was always that setting up vertical passing attacks trying to find guys open down the seams or down the sideline of the field whomever the defense doesn't cover on those explosive vertical shots they didn't have the receivers to make that work and the tight ends also like just the the style of personnel didn't really fit so far this year because of the lack of receivers um so they're they're now playing to those strengths more of the guys that can get open in the intermediate area and and i think that's tyler warren's specialty so i mean that's kind of the, the game plan in a nutshell and that's that's the result in a nutshell of if they had the if if keandre lambert smith had gotten open on any of those vertical uh, go routes drew Aller he was a part of the the initial progression you get a great jump off the line of scrimmage you you get the football, uh, but they were looking at some of those shorter routes, but into the area that his defender was vacating. And also to point this out to, you know, be fair to Keandre, the other receivers didn't get open either. Amari Evans, the one specifically that I'm thinking about right now, it was a go route with an out route where the you're again, you're moving the corner so that the slot receiver beats his guy to the outside. Remember, we talked about those two-way goes. So you're trying to vacate an area to open it up for another guy underneath, and, and the, the underneath guy didn't get open either. So you get a check down to the running back. So the running backs and tight ends get more involved in the offense because the receivers continue to struggle with separation and being playmakers, essentially.
1: And you brought up a good point also. Uh, Drew Adler, I'm looking at the numbers through a total of 13 passes, Mm -hmm. of which uh, five of them were to the tight ends, Tyler Warren and Theo Johnson. So, you know, that it's such a small sample size, I probably shouldn't be drawing out any conclusions.
2: Yes. Yeah. And again, to to just go back to, and I've said this a couple times now, this is my (laughs) ever... Everyone gets stuff wrong. And after the game on my postgame show, reacting to what we just saw and how unwatchable the end of the game was from an aesthetic standpoint, these are the things you forgot about. These are the things that I think were good that were baked in there. And this is me saying, hey, I was wrong about this game plan where it felt like James Franklin and the coaching staff, their answer to um, what we want to see more of was the quarterback run. And certainly that was a part of it, but that wasn't the only part. They did change these other parts about the offense to get the correct, in my estimation, from what we've seen of this offense this year, do some things to make it easier on the players instead of having them try to execute harder plays that, as James Franklin talked about on Monday, were more complex and just more. They had more in the playbook previously. They pared it down to some essential concepts and then ran those fast. And I think that didn't totally show up because quarterback got hurt and you didn't see the totality of you said 13 passes, 12 of those in the first half, you know, you get to 25, 26 attempts in the, in the game. And maybe they don't get to that because they're winning, but you get to 20, 21 attempts and it looks and feels very different compared to what it did at the end of the game, which was, well, what it was.
1: (laughs) Before we get to the quarterback running the ball, I just want to mention Dante c Four targets, no completions. Mm-hmm. There was the play. Penn State kind of stuck back in their own territory, their own five-yard line. Two-minute drive, yeah. Yes. End of the first half. There was a pass. It looked like where where in the world was Drew Aller throwing that yeah. ball? More to that play than that, though, isn't there?
2: So these are the context clues we have to use because we don't know, you know, in defense, Dante Cephas could have been entirely right and the quarterback could have been entirely wrong that he was supposed to run that comeback route and that Drew Aller was the one that was wrong. In these situations, the context is important. So, again, we're talking about what coverage they're facing and if there's an option on the route to run two different routes, did you pick the correct one? for both players, for the quarterback and for the wide receiver. So it's cover three, which means it's a zone coverage. The corner is trying to stay on top of the receiver, not let him go deep. And the leverage, meaning which side of the receiver he's on, he's on the inside of the receiver. So there's naturally room to the outside. There's naturally, if you run to the sideline, as much as he is in position to break that way, you know where you're going more than he does. So you're trying to fit the ball into a small window to the sideline on an out route, which is what he didn't run, which is what Drew Aller threw based on where the ball went. It wasn't like it was off target and it was kind of close. It was completely in a different spot. So then we use the context clues of who's been in this offense longer, who's more likely to have made the mistake and who's made more mistakes previously. So ultimately we don't know. But if we use the context clues of the situation, things that we've seen previously, uh, plays that Penn State likes to run, they love to run that out route. They love to run that particular play away from the coverage at that depth. Um, So that was my assessment of the situation. But as James Franklin said, there was only one missed assignment in the game. And maybe that was the one but that was definitely, (laughs) that was the one because it was the most obvious. I I didn't see any others, but again, context clues, that's my guess as to which one was the missed assignment and what happened.
1: Well, if you go by, as you said, the fact that that's where the quarterback threw the ball, you'd think if that was the call, Drew Allen would have it correct. The other part to it is where the defender was playing. So if it was an option, it was obvious the defender was taking inside position. So if you're reading that, if it's you're supposed to read it, it's obvious he should have gone out. So I'm with you on that. By the way,
2: Jim, um, uh, so we're sitting here talking about all these plays and we're, we're kind of breaking them down here. It is so much easier to understand this stuff, especially if you're listening and not seeing my very articulate hand gestures. Uh, If you go to bluewhiteillustrated.com and you sign up for Blue White Illustrated, because we've got a special right now just for people watching on the YouTube channel, Uh, use the promo code PSU1 and you get two months for a dollar. So you can go and you can see where I'm not using hand gestures and I'm using actual video and some teach tapes type things in my my own jerry rigged sort of way uh, to see all of this stuff, because I'm doing my best to give you the understanding from a words perspective. But a picture is worth a thousand words, and, and I'm not fitting a thousand words here into the into the show, I don't think.
1: And T Frank, I could advocate for that. You, my friend, are definitely worth a dollar. And <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> and 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 actually I watched T Frank's uh, film room on this offense in these plays that we're talking about. And he's right. It becomes obvious in the play we were talking about with Dante Cephas, and you pointed out on the video, T Frank. The defender had inside position. That mm-hmm. to me, you know, I watched the game live. I I saw it, but seeing it on video, the way you set it up, it, it's exceptional. It, it's a fantastic job that you do with it. So I'm a big advocate of it. All right, T. Frank, you mentioned earlier about the quarterback running the ball more, and mm-hmm. I'm talking about Drew Aller, not Bo Perbula here. They did. Now, do you think that was by design Or was that perhaps there were plays where Drew Aller had the option to run the ball and was just choosing to more often?
2: So this is another situation where uh, the context matters, how the play plays out, gives us some clues. But in the end, we don't know how it's coached. So there's there's always on these plays, these option plays where Drew Aller was running the ball. There's all like many of them have. RPO tags, where you have two options on the play, run the ball or throw it based on the alignment of the defenders and um, just where people are positioned and how they react post snap, what coverage it is, et cetera. So when Penn State got certain coverages, and again, we talked about this going into the game that uh, Rutgers likes to run this quarter system that has frustrated Penn State all year, this umbrella of defenders over top to prevent explosive plays. So what Mike Yursich had done previously when you get those two high looks is run the running back. He runs the football in whatever standard traditional running scheme you would have. Uh, The tweak this week was now we're going to add the quarterback and you, the quarterback has an option to throw the football, spread the field. And if the defenders that are supposed to be in the box, if they spread out to match, I always hit my mic when I do that. (laughs) Uh, If they spread out to, to match the players outside, it leaves this gigantic void in the middle of the field with, with the safeties, 12 to 15 yards deep. So to get an extra hat in the run game, which is what James Franklin always talks about, making the numbers even, he just had, they just had the quarterback run instead of the running back. The running back then becomes a lead blocker and you just get 10 easy yards. So if you want players to stop playing 15 yards deep and to play that way, you run the quarterback. And I think that's where a lot of, te- a lot of fans with Drew Aller, a pocket passer, had an issue with the game plan as you're putting him in those positions to get hurt. Um, and and it, it is a risk reward. Sure. But this is something that teams at every level of football do, even in the NFL. Like even if, if it's not a called, uh, Quarterback option. This is still an option for the quarterback to run if you cover all of the assignments. So it's not so far out of the bounds where it's James Franklin can only run the quarterback in his offense. It's also a thing that everybody does. So there's a little bit of both understanding how that the offense operated uh, in that particular situation with that particular option. Very good, T.
1: Frank. That's it for quarter number two. We'll pick up that part of the conversation in quarter four. But first, your questions, and we ask T. Frank. Stay tuned for that.
3: Hey, guys, this is Andrew from 409 Tailgate Club, here to talk to you about our new coffee barbecue dry rub set. Over the years, we've developed some great tailgate sauces and barbecue dry rubs, but our new coffee rubs are totally unique spice blends, low in sodium, and feature Happy Valley's finest coffee, W.C. Clark's roasted right in the cheese shop in downtown State College. So head on over to 409tailgateclub.com, grab yourself some coffee rubs, and remember, always tailgate with honor. We are.
0: Let's get back to the action on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone.
1: And welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. It's quarter number three. It means it's time to ask T. Frank. This is where we take your questions. T. Frank gives the perfect answer to every single one of them. And at the end of the segment, he will pick out the best question. Whoever sent it to us will get the prize pack from 409tailgateclub.com. That's 409tailgateclub.com. If you're looking for barbecue rubs, sauces, Bloody Mary mix, that's the place to go. T. Frank, my friend, are you
2: ready? I'm going to finish the season strong. So, yes, I am going to nail this segment.
1: Uh, you haven't heard the questions yet, T. Frank, so don't be so confident. <laughs> go- <laughs> <laughs> right, let, let's start with our friend Steve from Columbia. He says, T. Frank, early in Saturday's post-game podcast, you yeah. said the following. The train has sailed. Yes. What? Yeah. <laughs> and then he says, he's just being a jerk. He's enjoyed your analysis
2: all it's my season. my favorite saying. It's my favorite thing to say because it's so ridiculous and it makes it it provides this imagery that makes no sense. So, like, I just say it accidentally. I used to say it ironically to start. Now it's just how I say it. It's not that the ship has sailed. The train has sailed. That is exactly (laughs) what I meant to say that.
1: (laughs) Well, I'm also the one who says rocket surgeon. So, yeah, you're you're you are allowed Okay, let's move on. Uh, let's go to Joe and Scranton. Joe says, you think Drew Aller should transfer? We don't have the receivers that fits his game. He threw the ball all over the field in high school. Franklin and Yursich really messed up on this. Cephas played at Kent State. Kent State because he belongs at that level. Can I respond to that, T-Frank?
2: Not really, uh, but we will. Should Drew Aller transfer? I don't know. What's the best situation for Drew Aller? Is it at Penn State? Is it somewhere else? He will have that option. Like, that's the modern that's the modern college football situation. Um, yes, the receiver situation was a problem. Let's also not forget Dante Cephas was one of their top targets, but they had other guys they were very interested in that they did not get in the transfer port. Dante Thornton was a the guy they really wanted. Caden Prather was a guy they really wanted. Caden Prather is great. He was very good for Maryland this year. He was only interested in going to Maryland. So they had ideas of who would be a really good fit in this offense, and it didn't work. Like, that's that is also modern college football. So the receiver position is a real problem. But, um, does it get better next year? Who's the new offensive coordinator? Can they win in the transfer portal this year? And more importantly, does the person that they hire, um, put them in the best position to succeed next year? Because that's, that's another thing James Franklin has been subtly pointing out is that it's not just about the plays you can scheme up and how many good plays you can come up with. Because I think that's a, that's a, that's a pretty clear thing that Mike Yuricich had some good concepts. He had some great play calls and play designs. But James Franklin mentioned this multiple times over the last three years, and you got to listen to him when he says this stuff. And, you you know, it's kind of like you hear enough times you just forget about it. But he said, we need to be, make sure that we don't have too many creative play calls that we add each week. We need to be good at the plays, and have it so our players aren't confused and then when he mentions we only had one missed assignment against Rutgers the playbook was too complex is what he was trying to say the play adding too many new plays trying to have a bespoke offense each week to defeat the plan uh, the, the plan you're up against on the defensive side of the ball instead of just being good at football and having putting your players in position to play fast because you've got athletes um So there's a lot of that. And, you know, going back to even the receivers, they are fast enough. Dante Cephas was one of the top transfers in the country. We can do the results matter more than anything else conversation, but it is a boring conversation because, Joe, I can't I can't sit here with uh, the uh, preponderance of evidence and dispute that you're right. But if we live in a universe of infinite possibilities, this could have gone a bunch of different ways. If, th- if plan a had worked and plan a didn't work. And that's why Mike Yersich was fired. He wasn't able to get the passing game to work with the players that they had. The next offensive coordinator, James Franklin is the decider of who's going to come in and coach and teach drew Aller. And I think he's learned some things about Mike Yersich and, you know, like remembering even himself application is as, is as important as the impressiveness of, uh, what you can do on the chalkboard and what you can draw up. And that's another thing for me is like, there were plays this year that were excellent, like that were open and they they just didn't execute them because of one reason or another. And it kind of goes back to, there's more than just, that's my lesson that I've learned. There's more than just the X's and O's that go into being a coordinator, putting your players in position to succeed with the plays is something that is different than just, I know how to beat this team with my mind.
1: And also T Frank, I think the lesson that I've learned this year in going back and looking over the, the course of a game and you miss it at the moment when you're watching the game live is those little mistakes, that end of drive. Yes. We talked about the first drive that Penn state had the ball went three and out. And there was a Tyler Warren wide open on third down, and you could either blame him for the drop or blame, you know, uh, Drew Aller for the pass. Was it supposed to go to Dante Cephas? I think for Tyler Warren, having Dante Cephas in front of him, yeah. you know, Route I'm spacing. not even sure if he wouldn't have, t- didn't even tip the ball. And so I don't really blame Tyler Warren also, but that ends the drive. We assume Dante Cephas ran the
2: wrong pattern. But it's even before that, Jim. It's even before that. It's that the the mistake was uh, Catron Allen took the wrong path to the guy he's supposed to block. So if Aller has time, either of those options have a chance for a first down. But there was immediate pressure and the quarterback got hit. So we don't know the result because of that little mistake earlier in the game. And little mistakes are absolutely the death of this offense all year, whether it was route mistakes pass blocking mistakes, um, or quarterback errors. They just all added up to this offense being ineffective most games.
1: And I know that sounds like coach speak, but if you go back and study each series, uh, each possession, you find out it's actually true. All right, let's go to Frank and York who says James Franklin talked about establishing rhythm for Aller by giving mm-hmm. him some easy passes beyond the first play from scrimmage. How much did we see of that for hour?
2: yeah, that's the, the entirety of my film room, and that's a lot of what we talked about today on the show. So if you want to check it out, I, I encourage you it's I can tell you, but it's easier to show you and game script and game flow are two different things, so your quarterback is going to be put in a situation sometimes where he has to be the guy third and five, you gotta have it. Uh, but there were a lot of instances where they tried some different things to get him in rhythm, throwing on first down more often, throwing some less I won't say less complex because they still he still had to read the full field and get to some checkdowns, but things that weren't seventeen yards down the field or things that were uh, just made more sense. It's hard to again, it's hard to explain without going through all of the details. But yes, I think that that was my biggest mistake. This week is after the game, I forgot and didn't see all of those things. But when you go back and you watch the first the first quarter and the second quarter, they absolutely put Drew Aller in a better position. And that was that's m- the whole my bad this week. I'm a little embarrassed, truthfully, like lay it on the line. I'm a little embarrassed about how I reacted that game post game. And I'm one of those people that can't just move on. I'm not one of those TV <laughs> people that can just shout into a microphone, be wrong, and then be like, what? I didn't say that. I didn't do that. I was like, no, like that was wrong. And I hope that that builds trust with people that, you know, if I'm going to say something that's incorrect, I'm going to come back and correct it and do my best to make sure that you know that I know what I did. And I'm looking every day to borrow a phrase to get 1% better and genuinely try to do that throughout the season and understand more and give you a more detailed and accurate picture.
1: I respect that T. Frank, that your willingness to admit when you made a mistake and correct it. And I hope to God if I'm ever wrong about one of my football thoughts, I will be man enough to do the same. Um,
2: you haven't been wrong yet, so who knows?
1: <laughs> <Speaking> <laughs> with that, that pass that was your favorite play of the game to Tyler Warren, my friend, that came on first down. Passing the ball on yes. first down, T. Yep. Frank. All right, let's go to Gary in Arlington. He says, the major criticism of the wide receivers is that they are unable to get separation. Mm -hmm. Liam Clifford seemed to do that on his one reception. Shouldn't he be given more opportunities or am I overreacting to a small sample size?
2: So this is a a great question. And this is something where like if you could just give James Franklin truth serum and ask him about every single receiver uh, in the wide receiver room, you'd get the answer because Liam Clifford played early. Part of this is we only have like two minutes left and this is a 15 minute answer because the receivers well, have been making a two minute answer. thing. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's been this whole thing this year. So Liam Clifford starts the year as one of the starting receivers because the plan was to have Keandre Lambert Smith in the slot and Dante Cephas is not ready to go after training camp. So they got to bring him along slowly. So Liam Clifford starts in the slot, but the whole plan all year, all off season move Dre into the slot to get him away from press coverage so that he can get open more often. Spoiler alert, that didn't help either, even when they got to that point. But now you lose Trey Wallace and you're back to, we can't play three receivers because we need to play two tight ends more. And Liam Clifford is a good receiver, but the number one receiver is more important, right? So putting Keandre Lambert Smith in the slot was more of what they wanted to do. So when they went to three receivers, Cephas eventually was the guy and they went with, uh, Wallace Lambert Smith and Cephas. And, uh, because y- Clifford is not a guy that plays on the outside. He is a slot receiver. They talked about it. They said, ah, maybe he could play on the outside. No, he never played on the outside, really. Um, He was a slot receiver. So when you go to that 11 personnel, which means three receivers, that was the plan. We want to have Dre in the middle because on uh, the base offense of two tight ends, he's outside. So we need to get him in the slot. So that's why you didn't see a lot of Caden Saunders and Liam Clifford as the season wore on because... They finally got the three guys that they wanted all year long to play those positions. Then he gets hurt, meaning Harrison Wallace, and you're back to square one. So then you're seeing more of those two guys in the slot because you don't have anybody else to play on the outside at that X and that Z position. So that's the short answer. But the long answer is, was he good enough to make it not matter and get on the field? He has to be on the field. Clearly not. But every time he was on the field, it felt like he was doing something good. And in this situation, it is one play. So we can't overreact. But he did win. So the slot receivers are the strength of the team. You're just bending over backwards to make sure your number one receiver is in the slot, meaning you're not playing those other guys. That has been the problem since last year. You have too many slot receivers on this offense because they can't recruit those number one guys to play on the outside. And that's where you're hoping some of these guys in this future classes under Uh, marcus hagan's you get more of those boundary x and z body types
1: all right that has to be it for quarter number three in your questions stick around q4 starts with t frank naming our winner
3: hey guys this is andrew from 409 tailgate club here to talk to you about our new coffee barbecue dry rub set
0: We head to the home stretch in quarter number four on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at keystonesportsnetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone.
1: And welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. It is quarter number four. He's T. Frank. I'm Jim. We're finishing up our discussion about the Penn State-Rutgers game. And T. Frank, first of all, though, we need a winner from quarter three and ask T. Frank, who's
2: it going to be? We're going to go Gary and Arlington, uh, because the receiver question is obviously the core of the offense. And it relates to should Drew Aller transfer? He's terrible. (laughs) Ah! Quarterbacks. Ah! Uh, Yeah, an offense needs to be complete. So Gary and Arlington is our winner today. And I'm just. Joe, I'm just poking some fun because that's just the internet yelling at me for, for, for three months straight about this offense. Uh, The end of the season, I I'm going to detox because I have to be in the comment section to talk to our audience. I have to be there to moderate things, but my goodness, is it the most negative place I've ever been? Wow.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, we could do a whole show on all the negatives and just bring up those things, but I'm going to play that, uh, Fan uh, forum person here. T Frank, mm-hmm. did you see how that offense hummed when Bo Prabullah was in there? Yeah. I think we've got a quarterback controversy. Why isn't Bo Prabullah starting? Before we get there, I'm going to rephrase the question.
2: <laughs> Can feel my blood pressure just going through the roof, but continue.
1: A couple of things though, I th- I think occurred when Bo Prabulla came in. One of the criticisms, even of that was how come no passing plays? Well, if you're averaging seven, eight, nine yards per carry, you don't need to throw the ball. There were also a couple throws called that, hey, the you know, things just opened up and it became a ten or fifteen yard run for Bo Prabullah. You take that if that's what they're giving you. But What I want to emphasize and ask you about, T. Frank, is my other pet peeve with this offense, which is they run those zone reads, Mm -hmm. read options. The quarterback has the option to pull the ball out and run the ball. With Drew Allard, that never happens. I think the ones who suffer from that are the running backs because the defense could totally focus on them. Mm -hmm. The best half of football that we saw combined from – Catron Allen and Nick Singleton was that half with Bo Perbull in the game because he was a threat to run the ball is my theory right is that a correct theory or not
2: so James Franklin says yes with his own read game there's things you can do that you can't otherwise so there's there's like six answers in this question though so this is the frustrating part Um, The first thing is Rutgers did not adjust necessarily to begin with, Um, but the and there's there's mitigating circumstances. So we just credit Bo Prabula being in the game to Catron Allen's explosive run they weren't set. Rutgers defense was not set. Aaron Lewis is standing up looking around and they snapped the football. So, so Cade Walsh just gets the free edge of the defense, which is the number one way to get an explosive run. So there's a lot of, there's even some luck baked in here, but there are subtle differences in, and I'm going to answer the fact question part linebacker alignment and the ability to help on the front side of whatever run you're playing. That is what the zone read does, is it makes the backside linebacker specifically, he has to wait for the declaration, which opens up seams. Everyone just plays a little bit, a little slower at the linebacker level specifically, unless you add in a safety Um, to take care of the run game. And then you open up the opportunity for explosive plays with only one deep safety and then you can pass the ball. That's the whole point of the zone read is to make the defense wrong in either of those situations. But does the quarterback have the arm and the ability to throw the football to make it a complete offense? That's the part that you don't you're, not, you're rearranging the deck chairs. If you say Bo Prabula is going to fix the offense, it is absolutely not going to fix the offense. The passing game will not succeed the same way. And I, could be, I could be wrong here, but the receiver problem is still a problem. So maybe you get some more explosive shots with the tight ends, but overall, it doesn't necessarily fix the pass. We have no proof that it fixes the passing game because Bo, as you pointed out, has never thrown the football. I've seen him throw in high school. He can throw the ball. He has a decent deep ball. Um, but he's not Drew Aller. He's not the, the, and also the point here should be that you don't want to go backwards. You don't want to date your ex-girlfriend. You should want to the next thing, the best possible thing, which is your, your five-star quarterback with the NFL arm. Make that work. So if you're asking for Bo Pribula, you're asking to be in the same position you were in 2017, which, and I, this is no disrespect to Trace, But he absolutely maximized his abilities at Penn State. He maximized every single yard, touchdown, point, and opportunity. They finished the record that they did. Go back and look at it. They also didn't beat Ohio State and Michigan. Uh, They beat them more, but they never reached the promised land. So don't give up on the passing game. Please, I'm begging you. Don't settle for good enough. Now, at the same time, don't let great get in the way of good. And the, the option game can help. So let's get into Drew Aller's effect on the game. First off, schematically, he was running for 10 yards a-, a pop for what we described earlier. Safeties are deep, vacate the middle of the field. Drew Aller ran as a modern quarterback does. We, we also can't treat him as if he is um, Tom Brady or Joe Theismann. Did he run? I don't know. Like, you know, uh, Drew yes. Bledsoe. There we go. You can't treat him like he's Joe Flacco or Drew Bledsoe, where he is an absolute statue in the pocket. He's not. He can move. So he has to be willing to do that. The defense also has a say. So the defense has a say in when the quarterback keeps and when he gives the football. And as we talked about against Michigan, they were doing certain things in the run game to make it a run instead of a pass on first down. And Penn State took the cheese. In the situation where the defensive end you're reading, he can use techniques to make it a give and to not attack the running back specifically. Aller needed to be better on pulling the ball when they attacked, but Bo Pribula also pulled the ball when it was the wrong call, but he's athletic enough to make that a good play. Aller is not necessarily that athletic, so he's making the right play. It's just that situation is not set up for him to succeed. So we can't also act like Aller has to keep the ball in every situation. He has to make a decision of when it's the right time to break the rule. Kind of like talking about Nick Singleton. When is it the right time to bounce? When is it the right time to follow your blocks? That's an instinctive thing he has to learn. But I want him to learn the passing game first. Because if you do that, this is all academic. This is all gravy to make you an unstoppable offense. And in this game specifically, there were some plays that Rutgers was running, reacting to the what Penn State did with both quarterbacks. Then there were some things when when came into the game that they were reacting to him being in the game. So I'd say that the number one run that I thought gave Nick Singleton more yardage was his big run to the outside scheme and blocking at the tight end position were the number one things that did that. Tyler Warren got the down block on the pin and pull. You got your athletes in space. You got a good look. He was able to get to the edge. But also the backside pursuit was slower than it would be because Prabula's in the game. There are subtle differences for sure. Um, but it's also like the, the blocking and all those other things still matter. And those are still the things when you're watching film, you go, okay, that's a great block over here. Um, and, and I guess that's maybe sometimes where I get frustrated in this conversation is my limitedness of watching like, here's what happened. Here's the result. Why did it happen that way? There are the differences of of Probula and the way that the linebackers, especially like I said, the backside pursuit of the safety, the backside pursuit of the linebackers that are different, but it doesn't necessarily always look different. It's more about reaction time and those split seconds that add up in football. I hope my, that answered it.
1: <laughs> well, I, I still have to put my two cents in T Frank, which is this is not my advocacy for Bo Perbola to be starting and getting all the quarterback snaps. It's me saying, if you're going to run a read option, the option is the quarterback keeping the ball. And if he's never going to keep the ball, don't run, don't make that your key running play. It's like saying in an RPO, but you're never, ever going to pass the ball. Right, yeah. it's, It's not effective. So either decide that drew Aller can keep the ball sometimes or decide we're not going to use that play because we're not going to allow our quarterback to run the
2: ball. Jim, that is part of what, uh, that is a part of what Mike Yersich did is he just, those were called runs. They just all look different, right? So they were eliminating the option play out of the offense more, and they did it less with Aller and Prabula in this game. And I just wanted to say one more thing about this. Um, because I think this is the James Franklin, by the way, agrees with you and wants to get Bo Perbula involved in the game to get some of those run plays. So and take them off the plate of Aller and kind of. But here's the problem is, it does, again, my whole thing to end the year. And this is where I'm probably wrong because it is what it is. You've just got to win now. There's no getting better. There's no progress to the offense that is going to make tangible differences in the passing game. You need to fix this passing game. You need to go into the offseason with the positive flow of, hey, we can use this five-star quarterback. The other things that we talked about, those were the limiting factors. Not us, not the personnel, not Penn State, not James Franklin, not the offense that they want to run with the quarterback. You need to fix the passing game. And playing Bo Prabula doesn't open up the passing game because the minute he's not under center, you don't have that threat you're talking about, Jim. You don't have that read option keep. You don't have those things. So then it becomes just play bow and the guys, uh, the, the, the people on the internet saying play Bo per he's clearly the better quarterback. He's better suited to run a college offense that doesn't have the sophisticated passing game that you want because your receivers don't get open. And that's the biggest problem. And this is my frustration is like, how does this team end the year on a positive note? And to me, that means getting to the place that you wanted to be, which was a balanced offense that can throw and that can run. They were starting to do that before Aller got injured. And now there's one game left. And does it matter? And like, are, are you shouting into the wind? Am I the philosopher at the top of the mountain um, contemplating life instead of living life? And that's kind of the reality that they've, they've got here for the bowl game. Hiring a new offensive coordinator is going to happen in that time as well. So you're going to have a new direction no matter what. But just like keep, I don't want to say keeping guys from going to the portal, but also showing something that will get players interested in coming to this offense and fixing the problem because the, the going back to the receiver discussion that I wanted to get to here, this receiving class they have coming in doesn't fix the problem either. Peter Gonzalez, six two two hundred, He's a boundary receiver. He's a guy that plays on the outside. I should say not boundary. That means something different, but it also means the same thing playing on the outside. You've got uh, Josiah Brown, who's also injured uh, now. And well, I don't know his rehab time. He is that Z slot slash guy. Who might end up being just a slot guy? your Denmark, hard slot receiver. You need to go into the portal and find some horses to be on the outside. And if you don't provide them any interest and show them that Drew Aller is a good quarterback and that everyone who thinks he's garbage is wrong, then you're kind of it's it, it, then those people are right. You know, the the perception is correct. So anything you can do to fix that is more important, I think, than getting the running backs an extra 60 yards in the final two games.
1: That's going to have to be our final word, T. Frank. Thank you all for joining us. Have a great Thanksgiving week, and we'll see you next time on the Keystone Kickoff Show.
3: Hey, guys, this is Andrew from 409 Tailgate Club, here to talk to you about our new coffee barbecue dry rub set.